How old were you when you moved to LA? How old was I? Hmm, I don't know. It was like 92. So I was born in 65. So I don't know. The listener can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know anyone here? Yes. Well, no. The reason I moved here was different. I didn't move here to get into movies or be an actor or do anything with that. I was in a band, this band White Zombie. We got signed to Geffen Records. And we were a New York band. I'd always lived in New York after moving, you know, after high school. But the satellite office for Geffen Records was in New York, and I knew that was a shit office, and they didn't do any work. And I knew the real office was, you know, on the corner of Sunset and Doheny and those cool bungalows that are now defunct. And that was the real Geffen Records. So I moved to L.A. for that reason. And our drummer... Uh, Ivan's sister, Catherine DePrume, was on this television show called Down the Shore, this long defunct sitcom, and that was the person we knew. But we literally packed everything in a van, drove cross country, broke down on the 101 as we're like (laughs) two seconds from finally landing at Beachwood, and we're like, we don't even know where we're going. Like, Oh but God. you know that so okay. we were pretty young because the only an idiot student we just like oh let's drive three thousand miles and to where I don't know and they didn't even let us stay the night I don't think I don't even remember staying the night they were sort of like I'm not even sure if Ivan told them we were coming <laughs> let alone showing up with five people jammed in a van but um yeah how um, much money did you have probably well zero <laughs> well what happened was my no I mean I never had any money um. What it was was White Zombie had signed a publishing deal, which could possibly be the worst publishing deal in the history of the music industry. Our lawyer at the time was this guy, Fred Davis, who was the son of Clive Davis. And he signed this deal where once we split up the money uh, for our publishing, each band member had $5,000, which was the most money I'd ever seen in my entire life. I was so poor. (laughs) I didn't even have a bank account. I had nothing to put in it because I was making $100 a week working as a bike messenger, um, getting paid in cash. Oh, no. I mean, talking about poor. Um, So I lived off that $5,000 for two straight years. For two years, waiting till more money would appear. Not really sure if it ever would. Where where did you live when you first got here? The whole band moved into this apartment across the street from Ralph's on Sunset, which they called the Rock and Roll Ralph's. Uh, There was a Denny's there, but that's now long gone. And we all lived in one apartment, which was... It's one of those typical L.A. buildings, but coming from New York, it seemed like the nicest building in the world. Because in New York, you really live in shitholes, like places that should be abandoned, and somehow you're paying $800 a month for one room with a toilet in in the middle of the kitchen. Um, But so everything about L.A. seemed like, oh, cushy, everyone has it out here. Like, because, you know, New Yorkers are, they'll put up with anything. Like, why? The best New York story I have is my one time in my apartment, which had no heat, no electricity, because it wasn't really an apartment. It was someone's basement that you weren't supposed to live in. <laughs> I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I was like, what did I just step on? Oh, I'm too tired. And it was the morning I realized I had stepped on a rat and killed it by accident. Oh, bare, God. Yeah, in my bare oh, feet. My yeah. Oh. And it wasn't until morning I, st- I was like, oh, my God, I stepped on a rat. Oh, <laughs> God. But that's, <laughs> but that like wasn't like New a big, like, but, it, but it wasn't like, Ooh, uh, it was just like, oh, that's what it was. Anyway, because um, <laughs> that's the way it was. How many years of living in LA did it take before you felt like it was home? Um, it took a long time because the biggest thing about LA, the reason I thought I could succeed in LA was that everybody seemed fucking lazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> because in New York, everyone's like, I want it. Like we would go into like a restaurant and I, w- I literally would be sitting down for one second. I'd be like, Jesus fucking Christ, where's the fucking waitress? Where's the coffee? Because in New York, you sit down and it seems like the coffee hits the table the same time your so ass true. hits the chair. And it's a diner and everybody's like aggressive and loud and shitty. Right. And you kind of, that's how we all were. And you yeah. come here and it was like, what's the hurry, man? <laughs> that's like, cool. Like, Jeez, it shouldn't be too hard to get a leg up on these people. They move oh like God. fucking snails. Completely different here. Yeah. So true. So if you had to sum up L.A. in one word, what would it be? Um, I mean, I really like L.A. You know, now, I mean, I had to get I had to calm down and get used to it. But I mean, I guess I would sum it up as full of shit. so excited to be talking to Rob Zombie today. Rob, as you likely know, unless you live on Mars, is a renowned musician, filmmaker, and screenwriter. Fans began following Rob in the 90s when he co-founded and performed with the band White Zombie. Rob then went on to have a solo music career before turning his focus, lucky for me, lucky for us, to filmmaking. Rob's films include House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Halloween, The Haunted World of El Supervisto, The Lords of Salem, and 31, to name a few. Rob has also worked as a director in television, specifically episodic and comedy specials. Rob's attention to detail and style cannot be matched. He is unique, bold, and infinitely creative. We are so lucky to get to talk to him today. I was lucky enough to get to work for Rob on uh, House of Thousand Corpses, so I know firsthand what a great director Rob is, which is mostly what we want to talk about today. Not that that movie can tell you. (laughs) Come on. Oh, but it has. (laughs) And I was lucky enough to see it. Yeah. Both of them. I've not seen that in a long time. So you talked about it a little bit already, but um, we'd love to just hear about your start first and kind of like what, what those early days, like what those first couple years here were like in L.A. for you. You're adjusting sort of. I mean, the first years here for, I mean, it seems like sometimes like I had this big plan of how I was going to do things and I didn't have any plan and I still kind of don't. I mean, the band moved here. The band wasn't popular. We had this record deal. Nobody even knew who we were in LA. So, you know, it's just a matter of trying to survive playing shows. And I always wanted to make movies. I always wanted to get into film, but that seemed inconceivable. You know, you're you're a completely broke person who can barely afford to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make movies. Yeah, that's going to work <laughs> out great. Um, but there is a funny long round circle that goes back to the early days that I'll get to. But, uh, you know, it's just struggling, struggling, struggling. And, the, and over the couple of years after our first record came out, things started to hit. So then, you know, I remember it, it's kind of like this business. The, the thing that anyone listening to this needs to know is, and I'm just mean show business. The right. thing about it that sucks and the thing about it that's awesome is that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's only seems to be two things. It's all or nothing. Yeah. You have no work or you have more work than you can do. You have no money or you then have more money than you could ever spend. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. seems to be no in-between. Yeah. You know? So true. For the most part. <laughs> it's so true. So when you're in that kind of place of no work – and you're in, like you were saying, the first couple of years when things are starting to happen but not really happening yet. How do you keep yourself motivated? Well, I always was motivated. And the thing that was different 
in being in a band that than being an actor or something is you can create opportunities in the sense that we were always on the road mm -hmm. for our first album that we put on a Geffen. We went on tour and we stayed on the road for two and a half years solid. I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have anything. I mean, I, didn't, I literally didn't even own anything. So I didn't have any, I mean, you know, and I couldn't afford an apartment. So we just would stay on the road solidly. We basically lived in a tour bus and we lived in motels and one tour would end and we'd start the next one the next day. And we just never, ever stopped. And within that two and a half years, um, it happened, you know, um, wow. the, the, the first single, which we re-released three times and the video, which we re-released several times, finally clicked on MTV. And it was the difference between, it was insane because mm -hmm. back then when the record business was alive and well, our record went from like selling a thousand copies a week to 20,000 copies a week to 30,000 copies a week to 60,000 copies a week to 100,000 wow. copies a week to 200,000 copies. And next thing you know, it's like a month ago, no one knew who we were. Now it's double platinum and we're playing arenas. I mean, it was like so fast. Wow. It wasn't like, it wasn't a slow build. It was almost like overnight. Like as soon as MTV put the video on during the day in rotation, it was exploded. I mean, we were on tour with another band who was bigger than us opening for them. And it happened during that tour. And we left the tour because the balance shifted so quickly oh that everyone was coming, seeing us and leaving. And we were selling so much merch. We we're like, this is now, this is getting awkward. Wow. So we, That's you know, so it was like crazy, you know, right. it, it's like, it almost felt like if you stumbled into your first audition, got the role, then won an Academy award, you're like, <laughs> that's fucking easy. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But it wasn't easy because before that happened, it yeah. was like, you know, seven years of living like a homeless person with a band that you thought no one would ever care about. So right. When people ask for advice, first yeah. of all, if someone says, what advice do you have for struggling such and such? Yeah. I feel like quit because yeah. only people that aren't going to make it <laughs> ask for advice. The people that make it are too busy fucking hammering away. Right. Right. No one, you know, because right. when people go, what's your advice for this? That code word for that is like, what's the shortcut that you can yeah. tell me so I can get to the place where I want to be without yeah. actually having to do work. Yeah. So I figured, quit because you already proved that you don't yeah. actually have what it takes yeah. because the way I look at it is my, the way I would think back then was like, I'm going to make this happen no matter how fucking miserable it makes me to make this happen. If I have to wake up every morning, hating life and hating everything, I'm going to fucking make it happen. Right. It's not about being happy. It's about making it happen. And that's the way I would look at it. And certainly that drives everyone around you fucking crazy. Right. So I'm not saying that this is a nice way to be, but <laughs> it just is the that truth. Is and anyone I've ever met at that has considered whatever you consider making it, there's different levels of whatever you want to consider. They think the same sort of way. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And like, well, what's your advice? Don't quit. Because everybody, I knew a lot of people that were way smarter than me, way more talented than me, way more everything, but they quit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're quitters. Yeah. So sometimes you win just by surviving. Everyone else fucking quit. I didn't quit. Yay, I'm still here. <laughs> you stuck with me. Yay. I know. <laughs> I mean, but you I, I love what you're saying though, because it's like it's like overnight success. But it's not overnight success. Nothing because is, you're right? working, 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 and finally that work is turning into something that's paying off. It's like yeah. you're putting the energy into it yeah. and then it starts to happen. That's yeah, I mean it even when you think someone's an overnight success, you just don't know their career, so you don't yeah, know what they did. Or their story. You know, yeah. so it just appears that way to you. Well, yeah. here's a question, and, and I guess not in terms of advice for uh, tips in that kind of way, but more so how do you – how what, what would you give in terms of tips for mindset? Like 
I think sometimes people quit, you know, they have different confidence levels or they're just like, oh man, that audition kind of broke me. How do I get back on the horse again? Yeah. Like, what do you tell yourself? What do you tell yourself? Cause I mean, one, this is, one thing is I, I've even said this to people I'm working with. I said, Hey, no one said this was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're mm-hmm. here to fucking That's make a, a fucking movie. I didn't say mm-hmm. you were here to have fun today, Yeah. you know, so suck it up and let's fucking do this. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's so much fun that comes with it all, but no one said, oh, it's fun. It's hard yeah. work all the time. Because mm-hmm. that's happened even back in the days of touring. People are like, oh, it seems so fun. I want to come on the road and be a roadie. And I've been out here for two years. After two days, they're like, I got to go home. This is too hard. <laughs> I go, I didn't say it was fun. Because I think if you got to be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and go, the way I would look at it is like, if I couldn't do this for a living, that I would rather just kill myself because this is why I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel that way, you should quit mm-hmm. because the only way you can survive everyone re- is the rejection is that like, and cause I always say to people, if you don't mind people telling you, you suck mm-hmm. for years and years <laughs> and years, it might be the business for you. Mm-hmm. But if being told you suck, you're stupid, you're untalented, you're fat, you're ugly, you're lame. If these things bother you, mm-hmm. eh, you might want to choose another career, yeah. like dental hygienist or something, <laughs> because it's brutal, even when you make yeah. it. You know, people want to tell you why you don't deserve it or why you're awful, or why, but it, you just, it means nothing. You know? Yeah. You have to be a type of person that means nothing to. Or develop that. I don't know if you can develop that. Can you not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It would be so know. nice if you could. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can, but you know, you get, and people now more than ever are so hypersensitive yeah. about anything. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know if you can develop it if it starts with what Rob's talking about, which is wanting it so bad. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to develop a thicker skin, but if you don't have that maybe initial. I just think, burning, yeah, because that's why when, when, whenever you talk to someone who does something, I mean, they do it. I mean, I, I don't want to make this sound self-important because sometimes people make, oh, acting and music's like it's the be-all end. But I mean, you could be anything. You'd be a fucking doctor working in Rwanda. You know, yeah. it's like this is the thing that you yeah. do, you know, no matter how miserable it is. You know, yeah. you just have to have that feeling that that's what it is. Yeah. For actors just starting out, obviously headshots and, and you know, how you present yourself is an important thing. And uh, you look at a lot of headshots when you're casting. I'd love to know you know, if you, what your sort of take on that is. And well, I, yeah, my casting, the way I cast is different than a lot of people. Um, yeah. I mean, headshots are funny because sometimes headshots don't tell a very good story because obviously everybody wants to look awesome. Everybody wants to look handsome or beautiful in their headshots. And sometimes you're not, (laughs) but you're underselling (laughs) No, but you're underselling yourself. Like you don't yeah, want to cast exactly. Steve Buscemi because you think he looks like George Clooney. Right. Like they're not the same person. So if you're gonna, if so, if a Steve Buscemi type is gonna take these shots trying to make it look like he's Rock Hudson, you're gonna go. Right. You're neither here, because you know I have a story like that, and you know they, when I was casting House of a Thousand Corpses and going through headshots and yada yada, there was one headshot I, I looked at. I was like, eh, he's not right. And I just threw it to the side. And then later I went back and I watched his audition. And I go, wait a minute, this doesn't even look like the same guy. Huh. And it was Walton Goggins, and his audition was phenomenal because he is phenomenal. Yeah. But the headshot, truthfully, he kind of looked like Harry Connick Jr. in his headshot. <laughs> and I thought, ah, he's like too, I don't know, regular guy, yeah. handsome. And I just threw it aside. But then when I saw him on film, 
you know, he's good looking, but he's more interesting than that. Yeah, huh. and I was like, this headshot did him. It looked, it was not doing him justice in to me, to yeah. me. I mean, but you know, the, that's me. I don't, you know, other people cast things for other reasons and other ways. And they want everyone to look like a, you know, a teen model, but that doesn't interest me. And, and I never do casting sessions in the room with people because I find it, it doesn't, it's deceptive because some people are really like, like you might sit there across from me and be so charismatic in the room. And then I watch you on tape. I go, wow, it's like watching fucking paint dry with a film. <laughs> but in the room, it was like a yeah. fucking, you know, so, so or I don't, vice versa, maybe. yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. Sometimes people are incredibly boring yeah. and you watch my film. And you go, oh, I get it. I wasn't even getting all that. Yeah. De Niro, so, you hear that about, right? Yeah. That he's, One person I've... that was really like that is Brad Dourif. Uh -huh. who's brilliant, you know, you know, from Cuckoo's Nest and everything. And sometimes when I'm working, I've worked with Brad twice. And sometimes we'll be, I'll be sitting behind the camera and he's doing his thing and it doesn't seem like he's doing much, but then you watch the monitor and it's, his face can be so intense or so subtle that you, you know, in the room you might go, God, uh, but you, but that's why he's yeah. a film actor. I mean, not saying that you couldn't be brilliant on stage or something, but I'm just saying it's different, you know? Yeah. And, um, I've always been drawn more to those type of people. That's why, and being in the room, I just, first of all, I don't want to sit there and say, hello, hello, how's it going? Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> That's what they're casting agents for. The only time I ever did that was like when I, I directed this Woolite commercial and I got stuck having to sit in the casting session and I could see where it was going to the, 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 the executives wanted to cast. So I purposely was being a jerk trying to cast unconventional people just oh to God. drive them crazy because I knew where it was going. Um, but it was brutal and you feel bad for the people and I feel bad for me when I'm watching the tape, but, um, but what I always say is like, it's not that hard to stand out because there's a million actors in this town, but there are not a million good actors in this town. Mm -hmm. So when someone's good and they walk in, be it Walton Goggins or Rain Wilson or different people that I've worked and, and funny is this is the people I've had to argue for. Universal Studios, like, the person they hated that I was going to cast was Rain Wilson. They're like, oh God, we don't God. see it. I go, you don't have to see it. I see it. You know, you're not directing yeah. the fucking movie. Yeah. Because they always want to go, here's this bland, hunky guy. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell him. You ever watch a movie and there's, like, five characters, like, I can't tell anyone apart. Is yeah. that that guy or is <laughs> so that that true. guy? They look exactly. Oh, Wait, which girl is crazy. that? Is she that girl? Wait, yeah. she's that girl. Uh, like, it just seems like yeah. everybody's 21 and everybody's kind of catalog model looking yeah. which I, I guess you know the hallmark movies need that I don't know. <laughs> when i auditioned for rob's movie i remember they said to us uh don't wear any makeup because yeah. you're supposed to be on a road trip and i showed up at the audition and i thought i might maybe i was in the wrong place because it was there was like a room full and i was so nervous because i was like oh shit i messed up like everybody's got makeup on and and then i remember you saying later like that really kind of pissed him off because he was like, yeah, we, told, we like we very specifically said, like, we want to see you looking real. And yeah, I mean, and yeah. I cast quick. Too. I'll watch a tape. And I'm like, nope, yeah. nope, nope. Because you just know in one second, like there yeah. are people like, I don't know. I mean, that's just me. I, that's the thing. Everything I'm saying is just me. This yeah. is not like the rules of the game. But I do think that if people are struggling with themselves, I don't. If you're unconventional, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, don't go, oh, what's the hairstyle that everyone has this year? What's this? Because, look, man, if everyone's sitting there with their, you know, 
feathered back hair and you walk in with your giant afro who do you think they're gonna <laughs> fucking look at it like let's see what this one's all about right. that, I'm, you know like who's interesting you know mm -hmm. the guy with the big beard or the it's not for everything but yeah if you're interesting stay interesting you know look at danny trejo you know like can't they don't make enough movies to keep him employed. The yeah. guy probably made 300 movies since I started talking about him two seconds ago. It's like, if you're interesting, <laughs> they want it because your face and everything about you just eats up the screen. But if you're just like conventionally good looking, it's like, you yeah. just bleh. What do you see some, like when you see an audition and um, what do actors do sometimes that surprise you? I mean, what surprises me sometimes is how unprepared people will be. Mm. And they come in, I'm like, did someone force them to do this audition? <laughs> That's interesting. I've actually had times, and this is really weird, where a producer's like, you gotta, you gotta let this person read. I'm like, fine, I don't care. Does, anyone can read. And they'll come in, and I'm like, I, well, that's a producer thing. This is the thing. Directors cast differently than producers. Producers cast who they want to fuck later on set. <laughs> that's what oh they do. Goodness. And I'm not even kidding. So, I'm, you know, I'm just... I'm just giving anyone who's going to be on your website the truth. Yeah. Directors are trying to think who's best for the movie. So if the producer really likes you, be prepared for some Action. other work you don't want involved <laughs> in the, jo the job. When you're casting, <laughs> then, are you looking so – you're, so you have the individual roles that are in the movie, obviously, and then you're thinking of this ensemble. So how does that – work for you like how are you doing that in your head and how are you seeing that in the actors that are coming in the room and well i mean for me most of the time i don't do that much casting because i i've sort of pre-cast the people i want mm -hmm. like you know because i've i've cast people that i've loved in other movies like mm -hmm. i didn't read right. people and go oh i'll cast karen black i was like let's call karen black mm -hmm. oh I, you know like most of the people are people that I've seen in one movie, sometimes a bunch of movies, sometimes one movie, but there's someone like Michael J. Pollard, who I've always loved since I was a little kid. As soon as I saw Bonnie and Clyde when I was a little kid, I go, I don't care about Warren Beatty. He disappeared. I can't take my eyes off Michael J. Pollard. He's so <laughs> fucking interesting. Um, so that's why I would cast him. It's only sometimes like, say, when I was making Halloween, I'm like, there's no teen girls or little kids I'm big fans of. Those I have to cast. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you really get into arguing with the studio because that's when they, you know, I was trying to go on more unconventional if I could. And they kept, I actually fired a casting agent instantly because of, because he started, because of what he said. Because um, I would explain what I want. Because one thing I, I do now is fire people pretty much instantly. Because I can fence. <laughs> no, because you go, I'll try to make this work. It doesn't work. You yeah. go instantly, you're wrong. And you have to leave. <laughs> Because when I was casting for young Michael Myers, I wanted a kid who was like kind of white trashy with long hair that reminded me of that type of kid. And the casting agent goes, no, what we really need to find is this angelic young boy. I was like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you're, you know, but that's, I mean, that would make sense to me because right. you're the director. Yeah, right? but and I, you have the vision of exactly. the piece. Like, no, would, I don't. Yeah. That's. That's but that's great. just me. But that's, you know, that's, and that's how you have to, you know, I don't know. It's not, I don't know. It's not interesting. I think it's why like not wasting time. No, it's so You know, because eventually you're going to get to that, right? Oh, Even if God, it's, for yeah. some people, it takes two weeks. Like it's too exhausting to pretend. To get, right. I'm like, I'm going with this kid. I don't want to, I don't care. <laughs> right. And right. even with little kids, I, I cast this kid now and he's like doing great. This kid, he came in and read. He wasn't right for Michael Myers because he didn't have the right look. 
His name's Skylar Gisondo. And, but I was like, this kid's fucking good. So I cast him as another role. And since then, he's like, now he's grown up. Now he's like, so long ago, he's like 20 something. But he's like, he was in the new vacation movie. He's in everything all the time. He's really great. And um, God damn, for 10 years, you know, it's like, he's one of those kids. He's like 10, but you're like, are you sure you're not 40? Yeah. Right. Like some of these little kids <laughs> are fucking soul. crazy to talk to, man. Um, it's hard to give little kids direction because they're just like, yeah, I know where my mark is. <laughs> I know the eye line, okay? I'm like, all right. I'm sorry. You're four, but somehow you're more prepared than the adults. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. When you watch the tapes of people that are auditioning, do you tend to gravitate toward people who surprise you? Or is it more like you have an idea in your head how that character should be, and then finally somebody does it, and you're like, that's it, and then you hire that? Well, if there's a really specific character I've written, usually – I've already had somebody in mind right. that I'm going after, right. but sometimes I don't. And then it's, it's just a weird quality. And that that's really the, that it's not something that you as an actor can figure out yeah. because you can't figure out what, what I'm looking for. Someone will just come in. And sometimes it's someone like I was casting for the nurse in Halloween too. I didn't have anything in mind. There was all these people reading. And one of them was Octavia Spencer. I go, she's fucking great. Let's mm-hmm. get her. It wasn't because I was a fan from other movies. I wasn't knew who she was. She was just great. Yeah. There was just a quality about her that was better than everybody else. It was just she was more interesting with dialogue that wasn't that interesting. She was more watchable. She was just unconventional. And of course, I was wrong. Her career didn't pan out at all. <laughs> I know but, she's really gone nowhere. I mean, yeah, I wish me, someone would give I her wish, a break. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> me too. Poor thing. Um, I love that because to me that goes back to the thing you're saying about headshots, which yeah. is just be who you are. Like don't try to chase something yeah. because you can't figure out what the director is going to want no. anyway. So yeah, just, and just so do hard. what you want to do. And then if it yeah. works for them, great. And if not, you know, you move yeah, on. Yeah, I got a good story. It's not that great, but I'll tell it anyway. My friend Dan <laughs> Roebuck, who I've cast in everything because there's another side to this. Uh, this is different than casting. He went in and he was, he's in um, The Fugitive. He's in that movie, mm-hmm. The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. And he, the, he said one of the things they loved about him was his mustache, even though he put on a fake mustache for the role. Uh. Like, and they're like, whatever you do, don't shave. We love the mustache. <laughs> He's like, oh, crap. So, you know, he wore a fake mustache. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's exactly the opposite. It's not even what you're thinking. Yeah. They may have just looked at, like, 40 clean-shaven guys, and you're the mustache guy. Right. And they go, let's get the mustache guy. He's the only guy we can remember. Because, <laughs> you, you know. That's amazing. You, you know, you go into a waiting room. You see on calls that everyone looks the same, and you might just go, I don't know. Let's get that guy. He's weird looking. Yeah. I can't remember anyone else. You know, you, t- you talk about rehiring actors, and I'm assuming it's because you enjoy working with them, but what makes an actor, you know, what do they do on set that makes you want to work with them again? I mean, everybody's different, but the main thing you can't do is be a problem mm-hmm. because you can be a problem if you're the star, you know, and you're probably... If you are the star, I'll start. You're probably not a problem. That's how you got to be Tom Cruise or Will Smith or somebody. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a problem, there's no, nobody has the time to waste on you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've had people that I've cast, and halfway through the movie, they're just such a pain in the ass. Their role, they may have started as the star. Mm-hmm. Their role gets smaller and smaller. And by the end, by the time I've edited the movie, like, God damn, I thought I was a star of this movie. Now I'm like a third stringer here. Wow. And now the people who have picked up the slack are, oh, I give this guy a little more. I give this guy a little more. Wow. 
because wow. you don't awesome. have time to fuck around with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't, the other thing, don't try to guess what I'm going to do mm -hmm. because I've caught, this is quite different. This is not something the new actors would do because they should be happy to be there. But sometimes they, you, you think you can control the edit by what you're going to do. And all you're doing is fucking yourself. I've had actors try to do that. Like, well, they're not giving you anything different. They're not giving you this. And I go, okay. I've actually had, got, had an argument with an actor because I always shoot more than one camera. And I go, you got to cheat around a little bit. I can't see your face. And he's like, uh, no, I, I mean, I, this other camera's catching me. I go, I know. That's a 10 millimeter lens that's catching you. So you're going to look like an insect in it. You got to cheat around. Oh, he wouldn't listen to me. So guess what? Can't use he it. He probably watched the opening scene wondering why I'm always staring at the back of his fucking head most of the time. <laughs> Just, you know, there's a reason for things. It's yeah. not random. Don't pretend like, you know, and, but there have been actors and I won't say who they are, who are torturous to work with. Like I'd see them on the call sheet. I'd go, Oh God, he's going to be here all day. <laughs> I have five scenes with this guy. And then I immediately hired him again for the next movie. Because again, I said, I didn't say it was going to be fun. Yeah. They fucking delivered. Yeah. And killed it. So what makes them torturous? Just difficult about everything. Yeah. So not even sometimes with me, with the other actors, difficult. Who knows? Yeah. It's it's always different. Just a people headache. are difficult for strange reasons. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think they're just they've had a lot of bad experience. Sometimes with older actors, they've had a lot of bad experiences, and they just figure, oh, here's another shitty experience I'm going to have. And because I've had people come up to me halfway through the shoot and kind of be like, wow, this is great. Yeah. Like. Sorry, I was like a dick for the last two weeks. Wow. I go, I could see it. You know, you've yeah, made yeah. a lot of, you know, you were here and you fell here. So you just think it's another, you know. And sometimes, you know, this, and sometimes I've worked with people that have really bad reputations and we've had the best time. But I think hmm. this is more interesting. This isn't really an actor thing, but I find sometimes really seasoned actors don't want nonsense. Mm -hmm. They can walk in and one second go, this guy, they'll know. This guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He's dicking around. So while you're dicking around, I'm going to go to my trailer. And don't be surprised when I emerge from my trailer, I might be drunk. Because I know you're just <laughs> fucking dicking around. So, yeah. you know, just, but that's, that's that. the director. That's more like, you know, directors know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Or some actors will just eat you alive because they don't have time to. It's not their precious little project to them. They right. want to fucking work and go home. <laughs> That's something. Good, yeah, that's great. That's, that's really a, it's good. not. It's a yeah. harsh business. Sometimes no one cares about your feelings. Yeah, that's what I always tell people too. There's a big difference between making your little student film <laughs> that you've sweated over and having Bob Weinstein screaming that you're a fucking cunt in your face <laughs> as loud as he can. Oh, God. It's different. You got to have fucking some fucking balls to deal with. <laughs> you know. So back to the thing about actors <laughs> being headaches. Really do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, I remember like very early when I was out here realizing how much a director has on his or her mind. Mm -hmm. You know, like we actors, I think, are, you know, can be pretty self-absorbed. And like you show up and you're like, oh, I got to know my lines and I got to, you know. And then you realize like every five seconds somebody's coming up to the director like, is this wardrobe okay? What do you think of this? You know, we're – and then the AD is telling you yeah. like we're running behind and we're – you know, and how much like you're thinking about. Yeah, I mean, like but that's okay be because that's the job. Like, that's yeah. fine. I mean, you know, and another thing, like saying that if an actor has, I, I mean, ideas, that's great. Like, yeah. good ideas can come from anywhere. I mean, and so can bad ideas. So, like, people are like, oh, do you let people improvise? Blah, blah, blah. 
Improvising is sort of a little bit of horseshit. Not everybody's <laughs> fucking Robin Williams. I've met very few <laughs> actors that are that oh, God, great at yeah. improvising. Their idea of improvising is they changed like a one word or something. <laughs> right. When That's they tell it point. in an interview, they'll make it seem like they riff the whole script, but you're like, geez, all right, whatever. But, um, but that's cool, you know. But then sometimes you have actors who, like they have a maybe a comedy background. You think they can improvise, they can't improvise one word, mm-hmm. so it's fine. So mm-hmm. you don't can't expect that of anybody. But if someone goes, "Oh, what if I said yada yada instead of yada yada?" You go, "Yeah, that's better. Let's do it," because you don't want them to be. It's very obvious to me, anyway, when I'm watching a movie, that there's an awkward line that the director fell in love with. The actor can't say it properly, but you're keeping it anyway because yeah. on the page you just love it so yeah. much. <laughs> And you just have to realize sometimes, like, it sounds weird when that person's saying it. You got to fucking change it. So if the actor is something that they go, well, I've... and sometimes actors are other things, too, like, will come up and go, I feel weird wearing this. And, you know, it's because they think they look funny in that. And um, can I wear this? And I'll go, uh, if it doesn't conflict, I go, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, because as soon as they're feeling weird, like ah, oh, these pants mm-hmm. make me look fat, you know they're going to be inhibited. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I need the actor because. The actors are the only thing that matters at the end of the day because this, you know, everything matters. Everything matters. The lighting matters. The camera work matters. The sets matters. Everything matters. But if the performance isn't there and the actor's not good, the movie sucks balls. Right. Nobody goes, oh, my God, did you see this? The art direction on the movie, incredible. Yeah, but, it didn't, you know, no. Right, right. I mean, maybe the Academy Awards say it, but, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you can stick a great actor on a shitty set and they can kill it. Yeah. Thus having to cast people. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, the casting yeah. office. You know, you're never going to so... look worse than you are reading off the casting agent you oh know, against a oh white God. wall. <laughs> it's like they couldn't make it. It's we more were just awkward. talking about this the other day. Like, God, they couldn't make this harder for actors. Like every little thing, you know, t- working with someone like reading with the casting yeah. director that's just not giving you anything. And then some cast, you got to find a good casting agent. I had a great casting agent. Her name was Monica Mickelson. Mm-hmm. She did not my first film, but. the next five until she got hired permanently like paramount and she got it she got Mm -hmm. actors are nervous she got they need time she would try to read it as good as she wouldn't just be like yeah okay so like she would try to read it as good as she could and you know you could see it i can see some probably don't give a shit you know just like it's like reading against a piece of wood so it makes a big difference to find the right person oh my god gets it because it's so i mean so you know, it's so unnatural. That's really yeah. Good. No, I mean it's just you want to be doing this. You want to direct. You want an amazing director directing you in the scene and, and an actor to and an work actor opposite. That you get to but work it is amazing sometimes. And... I used to always put on the special features of my DVDs people's auditions mm. because it is pretty incredible sometimes. Even them out of wardrobe with the wrong hair and blah blah blah, doing their lines against a white wall, and then you cut to the scene in the movie and you go, "Wow, it was always there." Yeah, yeah. Because they still kind of. They brought it into the room, yeah. And you, but you have to be able to see it if it's what you're looking for. So yeah. it is, you know, it is weird. We're at thirty. We're at thirty. I know it's I so sad. So was there more. anything? I, I no. Was I was going to ask about how you worked with actors on set, but we don't have. To I mean, ask I that. can answer that. I mean, All I right. don't ask that and then okay. let's okay. cut it. Yeah, cut out LA-ism? the boring stuff. No, there's nothing boring. <laughs> oh my Are you god, kidding? this, this has been amazing. I know. So I guess, you know, you're talking about actors and what, you know, great actors to work with. And so how do you work with them on set? I mean, every actor's different. Mm-hmm. You know, really, every actor's different. Like um, some actors, you have to trick into doing what you want because 
this one actor I love, I've worked with many times, but if I said, hey, why don't you do this or say that? I don't want to do that. I go, <laughs> okay, tomorrow he's going to come back to me and say the exact thing I want, but he's going to pretend like he thought of it last <laughs> night. And I'm fine with that. And that's exactly what kept happening. So you, I would kind of drop the idea a day in advance so he could go home, stew on it, come back, sell me back my own idea. Oh, my God. Hey, whatever it takes. If he has to feel like he did it, came up with it, that's fine. doesn't matter to me. Other actors, you can just go, hey, blah, 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 blah. And they go, I got it. I got it. And other people, you know, and sometimes you, you forget. The, another actor going, I, hold on, Rob. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't understand anything that's going on. This is a great actor I worked with, and I felt bad for him. On my last movie, 31, Kevin Jackson, and we were doing this scene, and he, I could, wasn't sure what was happening, and he kind of came to me, like, he was like, I don't know what's going on right now, because I was sort of like, frantic, right. and everybody else was being frantic, but they were getting the frantic, but I was like, oh, shit, he's, I'm a little too frantic for yeah. him, so we kind of figured it out, and he was great, but, you know, you just have to, but I had just sort of met him, and that was maybe the first day working together, so I don't know him either, because the one thing that really sucks now is, you know, if you, if you go back, and you read a, you know, a about Sydney, Sydney Lamette making 12 Angry Men, whatever. Oh, they rehearsed for six months every day in a loft. In New- I know. Yeah, it was fucking <laughs> dialed in yeah. when they got on set. But yeah. a lot of times you'll just be like, oh, hi, uh, Steve, this is Joe. Joe, this is Mary. And you guys are all best friends. We're going, action. You're like, wait, what was yeah. your name? Yeah. Like, the people don't even know each other. So I, that's why sometimes I try as much as possible to get people that I think will jive with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens a lot like... um where that's why so many of my actors will come to me and go like, I don't, they go, I've never had this experience before. I'm still really good friends with everybody I met on this movie and we still hang out and blah, 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 blah. I go, I know because I tried to find people that I thought could, would be this similar so that you could immediately go connect because we didn't have time to force you to connect and it doesn't always work, you know, but you try as hard as you can to make that work because, you know, if the chemistry's weird, it's gonna be. It's not gonna get any better. I'll wow. tell you something else. Rob does that very few directors, in my experience, do. Is that you might not even be aware of that you give do. Give all or the that... actors LSD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give, give, give them all really big. Um, no, you you tell the you say afterwards, good job. Like he'll come up after a scene oh. and be like, that was good, that worked, you know, mm-hmm. and. So few directors do that, and you know we're so insecure as actors, and you kind of walk around feeling like shit. Yeah. I suck. Did that, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, you, you, I, 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 I think I do that because I remember I may have the story wrong, but I remember because I would always watch anything on movies I could, read any book about every director, blah 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 blah. And I remember some director saying he was working with. It was a very famous actor, and I don't want to say who it is because I think I could be wrong, but like, you know, some distinguished actor like right. Sir Alec Guinness. Right. And after every take, he would go back to his chair and sit there depressed. And eventually the director's like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know. Am I doing a good job? You haven't said anything to me all day. Yeah. And the director was thinking like, you're Sir Alec Guinness. Everything <laughs> yeah. you've done all day has been right. fucking brilliant. <laughs> and he was like, well, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me. I thought you didn't like it. Yeah. So yeah. like sometimes you can, it can just be one's assuming the other one's knows what they're yeah. thinking. And yeah. you, you don't, you have to kind of go, okay. Yeah. You know, awesome. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Yeah. Because just, just like, yelling, moving on. That doesn't tell the actor no, anything. No, exactly. Moving on because you suck so much. We're never getting <laughs> yeah. the scene right. Or moving on because you were so brilliant. We nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Wow. Getting that, you know, approval from a great director always feels 
well, it just makes you know you're you're in the. It lets you know that you're in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And movies are know. such weird puzzles that you're putting together so yeah. abstractly that it's really kind of. Yeah. Everybody's a little. I mean, confused right. what's going on sometimes. Right. And even you know, obviously, I've, I've worked with Sherry like I'm on every movie, and even sometimes she'll go, she'll see the final cut of a scene from the script. She'll go like that's not at all what I thought was going to happen. It yeah. was just the way we were shooting and what we we're doing was so, seems so wow. random that, come, you know, yeah. and you can tell. So sometimes it's hard to yeah. know that everybody knows what's going on. As, mm-hmm. yeah. as awkward as that sounds. Um, we always like to end by asking if you have uh, like an, what we call an LAism, which is like a word or a phrase or something that's unique to LA that you've noticed. Yes. Okay. If any, <laughs> producer or head of production or studio head says huge fan huge fan of your work it means they barely even know who you are and they definitely have not seen any of your work oh my god that's, that's a so good one good. Yeah. it's completely true and i've heard that's the second time i've heard that yeah. now it's really on sad. our podcast yes just, i think said pete it? said that too yeah. he said something about or no, Steve. Steve said it. If they if, if they, they say, say I love your writing, it means they, they don't like your writing. Or they all. haven't read your writing. Because a huge fan yeah. of your work usually then translates to well, this is it gets cheesy, but they go <laughs> when you go into the media, they go, We want to be in the Rob Zombie business. <laughs> oh my god. And so bad. I'm of course and I'm thinking, trust me, no, you don't. <laughs> Because oh I know as soon God. as whatever script oh I write God. or whatever project I pitch, they're going to be like, well, that's not what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Because your idea of the Rob Zombie business and Rob Zombie's idea of the Rob Zombie business <laughs> oh have no God. connection. Oh so they love, if they say they're a big fan or they want to be in the insert the blank business, it's run, run for run cover because it's going to be disastrous. Run as fast as you can. Yeah. Rob, thank you so sure, much. No problem. This, this was, was amazing. This was great. Thanks so much for joining us and our guest, Rob Zombie, on Speak LA, the podcast. We cannot wait to talk to you soon.